Welcome to The Golden Shadow, the podcast about psychology, philosophy, myth, mysticism, and mystery. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. Today we are talking about the big five personality traits. We took a break from recording the podcast because both of us were sort of on vacation, you might say. Yep. Alyssa was in the desert. Road trip. <laughs> I was backpacking for a little while in the forest. Now we're back. Back big, and better than ever. Back and better. I hope so. <laughs> I guess we'll find out though. <laughs> so the big five personality traits. Yeah. This is, um, of course, a paradigm for understanding different personalities. Yeah, it's a model, personality model. And we picked this topic because it's useful to understand who you are, obviously understand who other people are, Yeah. understand the variation there is within people's personality types that kind of lead to the way that they approach the world and approach relationships. Right. In, in the greater discussion of knowing oneself and also understanding the un- unique nature of others following these pathways of, um, you know, sort of established uh, personality dynamics, behavioral tendencies um, can be very helpful. And the big five is interesting because it's got a lot of roots in history in, in, in research uh, Mm. of um, personality and behavioral tendencies of individuals. And so it's got more of a uh, empirical backbone to it. Right. It's a little more legitimate compared to Myers-Briggs for instance. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I would say a, a system that would be something a little bit more trustworthy because they're the way that they're testing it is a little bit more fleshed out than, say, the Myers-Briggs. Mm. So the big five traits, there's five of them, of course. Yes. Uh, within each trait, there are two sub-traits. Mm-hmm. For instance, one trait is openness to experience, mm-hmm. and the two sub-traits are openness and intellect. Yeah. So that's a way to break down each trait further into a more detailed high-resolution understanding of what that trait is actually referring to. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are scored in the big five, you are given a percentage for each trait and each sub-trait. Yeah. For instance, if you scored a 95 in conscientiousness, Mm -hmm. that would imply that you are more conscientious than 95% of the population. Yeah, that puts you in an incredibly high percentile, which mm-hmm. means like you hold that trait in a much more important or readily accessed position than, you know, so many other people in society. And so that's a really important one to pay attention to. Right. By comparison, you might score a five in conscientiousness, which mm-hmm. would imply that you are more conscientious than 5%. Of the population, so that's a very low so score. So not very conscientious. Not very conscientious, <laughs> but that's how this system works. It's right. scored as a percentage. Mm-hmm. Each trait has a percentage. Yeah. And again, that implies um, how you relate to the population or how you relate to the average, let's say. So a yeah. score of 50 means you're average. Yeah, you're average, normal. Okay, so... Um, so why did, why did we pick the big five? Why did we pick the big five? Yeah. Because we took the test. Well, we took the test. About yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And we found it helpful. Yeah. We thought it uh, expressed some things that we understood about ourselves, but at the same time revealed some more interesting insight. So, Definitely. I mean, it's it's useful 
uh, t- taking a test like this, especially if you, if you can feel confident that it actually means something, and yeah. it's not just kind of like a fun, you know, sort of BS online <laughs> test that you take. That right. Explains these like, ten questions will reveal to you your entire personality. Right. <laughs> um, ten ways in which you might be uh, astral projecting without knowing it. Um, we can talk about astral projection in a different episode. That would be a fun not, one not, to cover. Not to dismiss it or anything, but still, no. there's a lot of, uh, uh, you might say, resources out there that actually are not very helpful in understanding yeah. yourself and they may be kind of misleading. Big Five does seem, as you said, to be grounded in empirical evidence yeah, and should definitely. be um, treated maybe with a little more confidence. Yeah, I think so. Um, and again, we took the test. It helped us articulate Mm, who we yes, are yeah and it also helped us articulate who other people are yeah and yeah. uh it's it's helpful to understand relationship dynamics mm. by understanding people's personality types right and you could theoretically take the big five test with your partner let's mm. say and mm-hmm. you could understand the ways in which especially if you can read a good like guide a good explanation yeah. to the test you could understand the ways in which you, the two of you uh come in conflict right purely based on your personality, yeah. which is something that we tend to kind of think they're like, well, well, they're wrong and I'm right. When, when the truth might be, well, no, the two of you are just approaching the problem differently. Yeah. And it's important to understand how you can reconcile those differences. Yeah. So just, uh, th- this kind of paradigm gives you the language and the tools to be able to articulate who you are yeah. to yourself, which is really useful and articulate who you are to other people and who other people are to you, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. So there are five traits, mm-hmm. big five, five traits. So the acronym you can use to name each trait is OCEAN, mm-hmm. O-C-E-A-N. Um, the first trait is openness to experience. The second trait is conscientiousness. The third trait is extroversion. The fourth trait is agreeableness, mm-hmm. and the fifth trait is neuroticism. And again, each of those traits can be broken down into two subtraits, mm-hmm. and we're going to go through each one and try to get a grip on what they mean yep. and what they look like, how they manifest. Mm-hmm. So, openness to experience. This might be the most difficult one, I think, to convey, which is good to start out with it. So, yeah, how might we define openness to experience how might, how might we explain it moving into territory that explores uh creativity and curiosity mm-hmm. um people who have artistic tendencies or artistic interests um or even those who have a desire to uh, kind of step into the intellectual world in a more explorative um manner mm-hmm. all of this starts to fall under that openness to experience you can think about you whether that's uh, your own consciousness or your own intellect your thinking function being open to experience or maybe a more feeling function kind of looking for um, a connection to other people or travel um, or going out and experiencing art um, right, all of that so starts to build into that yeah openness you know is is a key word it, it, it can be kind of confusing to like what does openness mean in terms yeah. of person what does it mean to be open but we're, we are referring to um how much are you willing to um absorb new things yeah. or, or what new things move through you yeah. let's say and that might yeah. be new experiences yes you might be really open to new experiences yes. you, re- you might really enjoy new experiences mm-hmm. like travel as you said yeah um you might enjoy experiences like doing drugs. Mm-hmm. You might enjoy 
trying different foods, yeah. uh, experiencing different art forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be more open to strange, unfamiliar things, mm-hmm. and you might be stimulated by that kind right. of thing, activated yeah. by it. Activated, yeah. Um, so curiosity, mm-hmm. um, exploration, yeah. creativity, yeah. all these words we kind of associate with openness to experience. Yeah. Uh, we can break openness experience down to two sub-traits, mm-hmm. and this can be kind of confusing, but one of those sub-traits is openness. Yes. And the second is intellect. Yeah. And so openness as one of the sub-traits of openness to experience, what does that refer to? That's more of the realm of the new experience, the the kind of more experiential dynamic. So that could be interest in exploring art and music and in more embodied um, openness, like through dance and exercise, movement, um, adventure, mm-hmm. um, the desire to kind of go out to new places, um, to meet a lot of new people, to just sort of uh, move through the world, um, experiencing things through all these different, maybe even sensory kind of dynamics as well. Yeah. So o- openness, definitely experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, it's hard to be very technical with, with the way we describe these things. Yeah. We're just trying to get the best kind of loose <laughs> idea of what they mean. But openness kind of is, is aesthetic, yeah. creative, um, how open you are to experience is probably mm-hmm. the best way to, to explain it. And this is as opposed, you might say, to intellect, mm-hmm. the other subtrait of yeah. openness to experience. And so intellect kind of might refer to more of an interest in new ideas, yeah. an interest in the abstract realm mm. of new things. So yeah. people who are high in intellect are very curious in um, philosophy, philosophy, yeah. Uh, systems, yeah. abstract ways. Getting more meta. Getting meta is a good way <laughs> to describe it. Um, how likely are you to be stimulated by weird conversations that goes in, <laughs> into very distant realms? Yeah, like getting kind of heady. Getting kind of heady. <laughs> um, so anyone who likes to read a lot of books, mm. for instance, you might say they're high in intellect. Yeah. If, uh, you were going to bring up sort of like what's the meaning of life or mm. how, how do we define yeah. what reality is? Yeah. What people, is truth? What is truth? Yeah. Uh, again, these are big questions and a lot yeah. of people are really interested in talking about that. They, they find yeah. that so activating. A lot of people are really turned off by that. Yeah. Or just it just feels like really their, overwhelming. Yeah, it feels like, overwhelming. Um, they might roll their eyes. Yeah. Um, it's important to emphasize that intellect does not mean intelligence. Yes, in, yes. In fact, none of these traits that we're going to talk about. Yeah, they don't in the correlate to that They at don't all. correlate to intelligence. And that's that's important to understand. If you are yeah. low in intellect, mm. this does not mean you're stupid. That's, yeah. that's not a good way to think of it. <laughs> uh, low in intellect just might mean you're not interested in abstract ideas. Yeah. It has nothing to do with intelligence. Yeah. Um, your, your desire to sort of explore the intellectual frontier is just, it's not really there. Yeah. And th- that, that might just speak to the way that you experience the world or the way that you move through it and, yeah. and you are and you might be more experiential you might yeah. score high in openness and lower in intellect right exactly so if, if for instance if you, if you were high in openness low in intellect you mm-hmm. might be someone who's very experiential very yes. sensual yes you really enjoy kind of like this more earthly feeling yeah it's more grounded um yeah being grounded in the experience you're having mm-hmm. and the people around you and yeah. trying new things like that and when someone brings up um abstract philosophy you might get bored yeah yeah um okay let's move on yep so trait number two is conscientiousness and 
conscientiousness can be broken down into industriousness mm. and orderliness. Yep. So how can we describe conscientiousness? Conscientiousness. Conscientiousness. Um, Big word. Tongue twister. So I, I associate conscientiousness with individuals who have a strong propensity towards uh, being responsible, mm. disciplined, mm. orderly, um, hard workers, really kind of seeking to create um, maybe order out of chaos, even mm -hmm. guiding leadership qualities, especially the type of like managerial or just like hardworking people who like make up the, the foundations of, of God, like any major group or structure. Right. How, how structured do you like things? Yeah. How much do you want things to be um, in the right place? Mm. How, how much do you want things to function correctly? You want things to flow efficiently? Yeah. How strong is your instinct for things to be organized and mm. moving in their proper manner? Yeah. You might say. Um, so people who are high in conscientiousness are um, usually pretty hardworking. Yeah. They're very diligent. Um, they pay a lot of attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are organized. Usually. Yeah. They like to keep things organized. They um, have a, a strong drive and sense of duty as well. Duty is, yeah. is big. Yeah. Uh, uh, feeling that rules mm. are important mm -hmm. or feeling that there is a code that you should stick yeah. to. People who have like a strong personal code yeah. are usually pretty high in conscientiousness. Yes. yes. Um, reliability, mm. punctual, yeah. all these things. Yeah. Some, someone who you feel like you can rely upon mm. and someone who sticks to their word, yeah. usually high in conscientiousness. Mm. Um, again, so if you break it down, um, you get industriousness and orderliness. Yeah. So what is industriousness? How disciplined are you? How consistent? How reliable? How dependable? Um, how trusting is your word when you give it to somebody? You mm -hmm. know, the, the kind of individual who comes through and not even maybe just because they, they want to keep the status quo, but because they sense inside of themselves that this is what's right. It's, it's sometimes I feel as someone who's very conscientious, like it's something that almost like permeates through you. It's not just like, because your mother taught you or your father taught you or society taught you, this is the right thing. Yeah. And you just feel it through every fiber of your being mm -hmm. and to not be disciplined or hardworking or reliable is painful or difficult. Right. right. So... Yeah, I would, I would say industriousness, there is more of a of a uh, attention to the way things flow mm -hmm. and feeling instinctually that you need things to flow well, yeah. that you hold yourself accountable, that you're very dedicated. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, um, not always, but there's a lot of guilt often <laughs> associated with being highly conscientious. I a think A lot so. of shame that you experience yeah. that you might just impose upon yourself. Right. If you drop the ball, yeah. you might feel really, really bad about doing that. Yeah. Like you might feel like I failed yeah. and that's not okay. Yeah. Someone who's low in industriousness, they might not care much if they drop yeah, the ball. Yeah, there's less, there's more carelessness or just kind of like, well, you know, that was my other team member's fault. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, it was a, it was a group effort, right? Yeah. The conscientious individual is probably more likely to feel the weight of that burden mm -hmm. upon their shoulder. Right. Um, and that's because they... There, there's so much, I think, meaning being driven out of the, the structure or the capability of holding that flow and making sure things move well together. And when that falls apart, it's it's tough for the conscientious person. Right. 
The other subtrait is orderliness, mm. and this might be more associated with um, your environment, uh, your attention to the way things are physically structured around you. Yeah. People who are very orderly don't like mess. Mm. Um, they might organize their room in a really clean, really structured way. Yeah. They might, uh, you know, color coordinate their wardrobe or their <laughs> yeah. bookshelves or st- stuff like that. Mm. They might uh, vacuum every day. <laughs> um, yeah, I think sometimes it's like the interplay of of disorder mm-hmm. that is part of the orderliness. And mm-hmm. there's kind of like something that feels really good and um, sort of tight and locked in for the the orderly type when th- when the attention to detail is really taken into mind yeah. and things are in their proper place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be like someone who's really uh, on top of keeping lists or schedules or having routine, making sure that all these elements of their life are kind of controlled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to emphasize this if it's not already clear. There's there's ways that all of these traits can be vice yeah. or they can be virtue. Yes. And there's a lot of getting into what virtue and vice is is a, a different conversation, <laughs> maybe a different episode. That would be interesting. But, yes. you know, virtue, we're talking about some kind of balance. Mm. And vice is sort of an, a, a disbalance and an unbalance. I don't know what the correct word is. But, for instance, if you were overly orderly in an unbalanced way, if you scored a 99% in orderliness and it was yes. a vice, this might be someone who is very, very controlling over their environment yes. yeah. and they get very upset it's overkill. if you change their environment. Yeah. So this is someone who might really find it difficult to live with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might want the kitchen to be arranged in their way and yeah. they want it. They want things to be queen and mm. they can't tolerate you who are less queen than them. Yeah. Um, but again, all these traits are interacting with one another. Right, because so. they might have like a high neuroticism in that case, right. which makes it like really difficult to deal with the emotional right. effect. Right, and, and we'll get to that. But yes. th- this is this. obviously each individual is very complex. Personality yes. is very complex, but it's important to understand like scoring high on any of these traits doesn't necessarily mean like good thing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It could mean that you are just extreme yeah. and extreme isn't always a good thing in fact yeah. it's often a bad thing yep. so scores of 99 percent or 1% that's not just like wow you have superpowers yeah. it's like well no you might like be pathological like, <laughs> yes. you know. so that's important to understand as we, as we talk about these that we're we're kind of describing to these traits as being sort of like positive in mm. some sense like mm-hmm. this is people who are industriousness like right. very like hardworking yeah. and disciplined <laughs> it's like there's a way to be way too industriousness uh, yeah. sorry way too industrious yeah me. Anyways, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on and try to tie, tie these things together as we go. Yep. Uh, the next trait is extroversion. extroversion. Yes. So we're all familiar with extroversion probably yes. if we study psychology at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so embedded in the general lexicon. So we know that this often brings the uh, correlation of an outgoing nature, someone mm-hmm. who seems very energetic. Um, uh, the extroversion um, trait here deals a lot with um, the social component of our personality. Right, the social dimension of the personality yeah. is very much. I think that's a good way to look at it. Extroversion. Yeah. So a lot of that is how do you act in social situations? Um, how are you oriented socially? Right. How do you approach other people mm-hmm. when you when you enter a um, a group situation, whether mm-hmm. it's at work or it's like a barbecue or right. yeah. Um, even if you're just hanging out in a bar mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, how do you approach this? Yes. Um, so it's, it's the way that you really um, make sense of the social world mm. of other people, yeah. how to best treat other people, yes. how do they fit into your life and yeah. how do you fit into theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can break extroversion down into two subtraits. 
enthusiasm mm-hmm. and assertiveness. Yeah. So what's enthusiasm? Uh, this is exploring what is probably more classically associated with extroversion, mm-hmm. which is like your connection to other people or maybe like the energy you receive from being in these types of social situations. So it's about um, your your connection to other people, the, di- the dynamic that's wrapped up in that, maybe your tendency then to express or show um, dynamics of emotion in relation mm-hmm. to that. Um, do you feel activated by others? Are you... Um, also then kind of someone who's more expressive in nature. I think that obviously must be correlated since it's kind of wrapped up into this. So the enthusiasm trait does um, score kind of like an individual's tendency to be able to um, kind of tap into those joyous, happy, excitable emotions and for people to be able to read that off of you. Right. Definitely positive emotion. People who are high in enthusiasm, um, experience a lot of joy mm. with other people yeah. they're very they're very turned on by other people yeah um very gre- gregarious yeah. uh yeah. D- do you just inherently enjoy other people yeah do you find other people to be fun mm. and good mm-hmm. do you like other people <laughs> um are you happier when you're in a group than mm. when you're alone yeah so um just being stimulated by social interaction yeah there are people who are very stimulated by others and then yeah. they're usually high in enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, low in enthusiasm might be someone who finds other people or social situations to be incredibly draining yeah. and it's not activating, it's not stimulating, right. it's tiring. Yeah, so it doesn't the, mean that you hate people. Right. It just means that you don't feel activated by them. Yeah, so you're a little bit more cautious with your energy, more mm-hmm. reserved, maybe more solitary. Um but can still maybe connect to other people in a more um, personal, more one-on-one capacity so that things don't quite get out of control as a bigger group might. Okay, the other sub-trait of extroversion is assertiveness, which is usually associated with leadership, putting one's own opinion forward, the motivation to seek out what you want Mm. or what you think is right. We're all familiar with the concept of assertiveness. Mm. So someone who finds themselves in social situations and feels, it might might not be like selfish. It might not be Mm -hmm. malevolent. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone is trying to be manipulative. It might be just, or it's more correctly stated as someone who feels like they should put themselves forward Mm. to control the situation or influence situation. Yeah. I think initiative is like a good word for that. Sure those who take initiative mm-hmm. who feel driven to it's yeah. like when the teacher asks all right so uh who wants to read this passage and everyone's just like kind of looking around the the assertive one is gonna say i will you right. know right. they, they want to take that leap yeah and that's not always viewed as negative it no. can be negative someone can be overly assertive yeah, definitely. definitely the kind of person who um tries to bend social situations mm. to fit them mm-hmm. is someone who's going to be pretty assertive yeah but uh, just it's a directness, it's an engagedness, yeah. it's yeah. Um, definitely associated with leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that type of individual also then matched in this category of extroversion then probably has more of that kind of gregarious uh, personality type that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Someone who has a lot of energy, they kind of move through the group. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're necessarily like, wholly well liked by everybody but they have an energy to them and they're not 
shy um, to put that forward. Right. And, and usually because they're, they're sensing that there's a need for it. Right, right. So someone who is high in enthusiasm and high in, high in assertiveness might be considered like a party animal. Yeah. And obviously this is going to interact with all the other traits. Yeah. But still, someone who really enjoys mm-hmm. social situations mm-hmm. and really tries to get what they want out of the social situations. But also like, let's get things going, guys. Yeah. Like, yes, let's go to the next right. bar, like pushing the energy. Right, right. The yeah. pers- person shows up and it's like, all right, like that person's here. And it's right. like, they're going to bring the now energy. Now the party starts. Right. Okay. Um, the next trait is agreeableness. Yes. So agreeableness, um, as it sounds, is... Friendly. Friendly. Compassionate. Compassionate, kind. kind. Someone, mm. I would say, probably the best way to describe it is someone who cares sincerely for others. Yes. Uh, someone who is willing to sacrifice their own needs often mm. for mm. other people's needs. Yeah, they're very aware of, mm. of not just themselves and, and that desire to want to, to understand the dynamic or the status quo of another individual it might be related to a kind of like empathic nature. You're in tune with other people's experience or emotional dynamics. And so how you're operating is not influenced by just what your needs are, but what other people's needs are too. Right, right. This also ties into how um, compliant people mm, are. Yes. Um, how willing others are to cooperate yes. or be obedient. Mm, mm-hmm. So this can manifest in all these different ways, yes. but it's it's basically uh, how much are you putting the energy of others um, before uh, oneself? Before one's not just, not as always before oneself, but like you're, you're like you said, there's awareness of other people's energies, mm-hmm. what they need, mm-hmm. and that's up there. It's a high priority for you. Yeah. And if it becomes a vice, let's say it could be that you are putting other people's uh, energy is so far above your own right. that um, you're not getting what you need. Yes. And no one's to blame for that except you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The the balanced um, goal would be that you're caring for your own needs, but you're also very aware and caring for the needs of others. Mm-hmm. So this can be broken down into two sub-traits. Mm-hmm. Um, the first sub-trait is compassion. Yeah. The second sub-trait is politeness. Yeah. So how do we describe compassion? Compassion, how sensitive are you to others' needs and their well-being? Um, what's your orientation towards those um, mm-hmm. dynamics then, the interests of others, what would work best for them, what their desires are? Um, it's kind of looking at individuals also sometimes um, through a greater lens of compassion because you can think about like the compassionate parent is aware of what's good for you and what you need, but that might not necessarily be what you want. So sometimes compassionate guidance or advice or or acts might feel uh, undesirable to the person receiving it, but the compassionate individual might have that objective view that can see what is actually like, uh, what is actually best for you, what would serve your greater good. Right. So that's in contrast um, to politeness, which might be phrased, it's not the only way to think about this, but might be phrased as how sensitive are you to the other's wants? Mm, so mm-hmm. compassion, let's say you're a parent and you're so compassionate that you really, really care about what's good for your child. Yeah. You really want them to do well. You really are doing everything you possibly can to make sure they have a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are low in politeness, let's yeah. say you might not care what your child wants. Yeah. You might not care if they're upset or mm. if uh, you might not care about hurting their feelings. Yeah. You might just do whatever it takes to do what's good for them. And mm. I think this is a 
archetypal thing we see in parents sometimes, especially the father, is like the 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 parent who cares about Mm -hmm. what's good for you and Mm -hmm. even thinks they know what's good for you, and they don't really care what you say or what you need or what you want. Yeah. Um, in any given moment. Yeah. Uh, so politeness. Um, often people who are are high in politeness are really going to be sensitive to how you feel in the Mm -hmm. moment and Mm -hmm. they're really going to do the best they can to make sure that you feel comfortable and safe that they're not going to say anything that's going to make you feel bad they're not going to say anything that's going to set you off uh that they're going to kind of play along with your experience and make sure you you feel okay yeah um as opposed to compassion where someone is maybe not really going to pay attention to your experience very much yeah someone can be highly compassionate but low in politeness as we're as we're is mapped out here so it's an important distinction Mm -hmm. to understand because you can be the type of person who doesn't want to shake things up you know that your politeness factor might be so high that you're really unwilling to express a difficult truth or something like that um despite having a compassionate well within you that knows that what this person's doing just is actually a really bad idea so that politeness factor can make you seem quite agreeable and nice and kind, but yeah. it, it's, it's, there's an easy path towards pathology with that right. one, I feel. Right. right. You can be kind of a pushover. Pushover. If you're yeah. extremely polite, yeah. but low in compassion. Yes. So you just, you just want everyone to feel okay. You just want everything to be nice. Mm-hmm. You just, you want everything to be sort of stable. Yes. You yeah. don't want there to be any conflict. Yeah. Don't shake things um, up. And you're not necessarily, if you were low in compassion, you might really not in, on, in a deep way care about <laughs> the well-being of anyone. Yeah. You're just conflict avoidant, let's yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic there. Mm. Okay, the, the final yes. trait is neuroticism. Yeah. And this is an interesting one. Yes, this one was kind of an interesting one to wrap my mind around because um, I think there's some ways that we jump to to even understanding the word neurotic Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but the big five does a really interesting job of pulling apart what i feel is ultimately measuring one's emotional stability in relation to um, different environments um, negative emotion how you deal with affect um, dynamics of guilt and shame and fear sadness all these uh, tough emotional experiences you know how sensitive are you to having those experiences and what is the outcome then that's kind of, I I believe part of what's being measured here. Mm. Um, also kind of to the sense of one's maybe even like instinctual safety, um, is, is also part of this trait. Definitely safety awareness. How, how likely are you to perceive threat? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how likely are you to sort of feel not okay? Yeah. Experience negative emotion, which is usually associated with something not being right. Something seeming dangerous around yeah. you doesn't necessarily need to be like a literal danger. Like there's right. a bear yeah. like around you as much as it's just like uh, someone might make you just sort of feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And that yeah. can be very complex. But yes. negative emotion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your resilience to that, it, it, should you be high in neuroticism, mm-hmm. is probably quite low in that case. So we can break neuroticism down into two sub which are withdrawal mm. and volatility yeah so how would we describe withdrawal um here we're going into receptiveness of um the negative emotion or how you deal with the uh the underlying affect of being in those experiences um so how does it feel when you experience fear shame anxiety 
depression, sadness, how much does it affect you? How much do you worry about things? How likely are you to um, kind of have that um, sort of swinging pendulum of, of, of emotional dynamic and, mm-hmm. and how does it impact you? Mm-hmm. So um, withdrawal, um, how likely are you to experience anxiety? Yeah. How likely are you to experience um, uh, avoidance instincts mm. to like to withdraw from something, to yeah, back away, right. to uh, feel as if you need to hide in some way, to recoil. Mm. Um, and this is in contrast into volatility, which is uh, how likely are you to respond with um, getting upset, yeah. being irritable, getting angry. Yeah. Uh, so one, one way I like to kind of think about this is withdrawal is – um, how are li- how likely are you to perceive that something bad is happening? Mm-hmm. How likely are you to actually respond that something something's not right? Yeah. Anxiety. How likely yeah. are you to feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Whereas volatility is when you perceive that something's not right. Yeah. How likely are you to respond outwardly, yeah. yes. explosively? Right. Um, to reach out at other people. Right. Um, get angry, cry, yeah. scream. Yeah, to emote it. E- e- yeah, yeah, emote, just outward response that's mm. really wearing it on the outside is yeah. kind of volatility. So if you were going to, again, talk about how these sort of interact, someone might be really high in withdrawal and really low in volatility. Yeah. And that means that this kind of individual is actually extremely anxious. This mm. kind of person doesn't feel very good mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> but you don't know it. They don't show it. <laughs> right. They don't wear it out outwardly. Yeah. Uh, they might be freaking out and they look fine. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people are like this and, uh, people who, um, might be low in withdrawal and high in volatility would be kind of an interesting combination, but <laughs> they might not experience anxiety very often. Mm-hmm. They might not experience fear or, um, feelings of being unsafe very often, but when yeah. they do, it's explosive. Yes. And yes. so they might have weird episodes yeah. where every once in a while they freak out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like that hasn't happened in the last six months. And <laughs> yeah. So the way that these interact is very interesting. Okay. That's all five traits. Now to try and tie things together, we're going to go through um, our scores. Yeah. The, the scores that I have in all these traits and the scores that OSA has. And we're mm. going to kind of compare and contrast our two different personalities yep. and maybe talk about how they interact. <laughs> yeah. And you're seeing that live on the podcast, Indeed. two different personalities interacting. Mm-hmm. So uh, first we'll do openness to experience. Yep. Um, my openness to experience is very high. It's mm-hmm. 92%. Yeah. What's a... <laughs> My overall score is 61%. Okay. So this is 61, closer to average. Uh, the subtraits of openness to experience, intellect and openness. Yeah. My intellect is 92, very high, and my openness is 84. My intellect is 41%. I'm average. And my openness is moderately high, 75%. So... I am more intellectual than Alyssa. Yes. And you can probably tell this just through listening to the podcast if you've been listening. <laughs> yeah. That uh, I'm on the half of this podcast that's a little more abstract yeah. and a little more sciencey philosophy and a little yeah. more into uh, weird out there ideas. Yeah. Alyssa is a little more grounded. Yeah. Aaron wants to get meta and I just can't go there mm-hmm. all the time or I can't go as far as he can. Yeah. 
And that doesn't mean that OS is stupider than I am. Though that, well, that might be true. But <laughs> we that, always joke about that. But intellect but doesn't. Not true. <laughs> right. Intellect does not convey that I am really smart and OS is very stupid. That's not the correct yeah, way to talk about Yeah, he's not smart. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the point. Um, but we're both high in openness, which yeah. is a sense of openness to experience. Yes. OS and I are both artistic. Artistic, creative. Musicians. Clearly, we, w- we wouldn't be here doing this if we yeah. weren't. Um, yeah. And so we can definitely get a wand um, just in the kind of activities we're interested in, the kind of experiences we're interested in. Yeah. Um, approaching the world with this sort of creative mm-hmm. um, mindset yeah. that you might associate with someone who's kind of like a hippie or yeah. <laughs> someone who uh, you know likes to travel, yeah, uh, enjoys being outdoors, yeah. being we like uh, to dance. Like to dance. We like music. Like music. We like to sing. Uh-huh. So um, a lot of the people that we are friends with yes. are almost certainly high yeah. in yeah. openness yeah. for sure. Maybe not all of them are intellectual, but mm. openness to experience is, is clearly something that brings a lot of people together because it's very experiential. Yes. Okay. Conscientiousness. Uh, mine is 80, and uh, I'll break them down into the subcategories. Mm-hmm. And my industriousness is 93. <laughs> And my orderliness is 48. My conscientiousness is 83%. My industriousness is 96%. I beat you, Warren. And my orderliness is 41%. We're pretty similar. Pretty much the same. We're pretty much the same here. Yeah. I mean, the test does control for, or at least the best it can to control is for how you are self-reporting. Certainly. So the the differences between me and Alyssa and conscientiousness, you know, they're so small that it's like basically we're kind of at the same place right. in this way. So yeah. we're, both of us are very hardworking and yes. very diligent. Yes. Um, we're both kind of average in terms of orderliness. So. Yeah, we're willing to like kind of like mess things up a little, kind of break the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't necessarily want things to be perfect or hold very tight schedules. Right. So messes don't really bother us that much. Yeah. There, isn't, there isn't a feeling of like uh, our living spaces need to be super organized. Yeah. Um, we're okay with a kind of sort of loosey-goosey way of doing yeah, things. Yeah. But at the same time, we're very industrious, which yes. means we both care a lot about what's right. Yeah. We care a lot about duty. Commitment. Commitment, yeah. being reliable, being yes. punctual. Yeah. So I think OS and I both experience a lot of guilt mm. um, when we feel as if we've failed. It's a good ex- expression of how that extreme nature mm-hmm. being what yours is 93 right yeah. 93 96 mm-hmm. like we're extreme right so <laughs> if i felt that i was being irresponsible yeah. that would bother me quite a bit yeah. and if someone pointed out to me a way in which i was behaving like a child let's say mm-hmm. that would really bother me yeah that's not something that i can just shrug off right and that's self-imposed yeah so yeah a lot of self-shaming comes yeah. from industriousness which is yeah. something that's kind of interesting to acknowledge yeah Okay, extroversion. Yeah. Um, mine is 77. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two subtraits are enthusiasm, which is 21, <laughs> and assertiveness, which is 97 um, for me. Yeah. My extroversion is 92%. My enthusiasm is very high, 89%. And mm. my assertiveness is 88%. So we're both very assertive. Uh, we both uh, say what we think. We mm. both want to put ourselves forward in a social situation and say this is how things should be. Yeah. Um, we both volunteer a lot to be in leadership roles, mm. to take on the burden yeah. of making sure a social situation works. Yeah. 
definitely works in quotations, <laughs> however that might be interpreted. Um, but contrastingly, uh, I'm very low in enthusiasm. And it was very high enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. So I am much more of a, a people person in a lot of ways. My connections to others, my, my tendency to want to um, kind of move through people's life and, and find that personal connection. And then when I do, there's such an expression for me. Um, it's very reflected in my work and in my personal relationships that when I connect to the people who kind of resonate with me, I express then deeply. I am someone who like will laugh a lot and you, you can tell I'm very joyous right? and I'm in connection with others often when that's happening. Right. Well, says very oriented towards other people, Yeah, very stimulated by other people, very activated. She's at home with other people. Yeah. Um, by comparison, I don't dislike people obviously i'm i'm very social i have a lot of friends they're yeah. very important to me i have a lot of family that's very important to me yeah but i don't get as excited and joyous yeah. by other people mm-hmm. i don't i'm not the kind of person who's just like wow like this is great like look at this great party as much as i'm kind of um can acknowledge the goodness of a party but right. also really want to be alone a lot and really yeah. feel like i can rest if i'm alone yeah Okay, agreeableness. Um, I am low in agreeableness. My compassion is moderately high at 61. My politeness is very low at 4%, which people (laughs) seem to find pretty comical. I find it comical. It is funny. Um, I'm very agreeable, very high in fact, 93%. My compassion is 96%, and my politeness is 76%. Right, so there's a big difference here between me and Alyssa. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is more willing to um, pay attention to other people's needs, yeah. to take care of them. She's probably less likely to instigate a conflict or mm. be confrontational yeah. or disrupt the um, harmony yeah. Yeah. Um, in a situation. She's, she's more likely to be compliant with people mm-hmm. and make sure that they can get what they need. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, I'm, I am moderately high in compassion. So I, I definitely care a lot about other people. Yeah. And I, I clearly recognize this. I really want what's good for other people. Yeah. I really feel driven by trying to help other people. Yeah. But I'm very low in politeness. So I, I don't really care about their feelings very much. <laughs> and so I will do things like I will hurt someone's feelings yeah. in order to do what I think is good for them. Right. Which is a weird and people find it confusing because yeah. it's very easy to interpret that as like, well, well, you're just an asshole. You don't care about anyone. Right. And it's like, no, I care yeah. more about you than you do. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of the difficult, um, difficult and confusing side of this. Yeah, because I think especially with your much more intellectual nature, it's mm-hmm. like you see kind of past the emotional part of it. And it's like, well, I know this is uncomfortable for you to hear, but this will help you. Right. And that's tough. Right. That's tough for people. Very blunt. Yeah. I keep it real. Yeah. Too real. Too real. (laughs) Often. All right. Neuroticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am very low in neuroticism. So my withdrawal is 3% (laughs) and my volatility is 9%. It's amazing. Um, I'm average 42%. My withdrawal is 36% and my volatility is 48%. So, Aaron, 
tell me what it's like to be you. Yeah, I don't experience much negative emotion. I guess I don't experience much emotion at all. That's kind of how I am is sort of like uh, oh. kind of monotone. I mean, even <laughs> in the way I talk, that's the way it is. But I, I don't experience much anxiety. Yeah. I don't really freak out very often. Yeah. Um, I don't feel unsafe or threatened mm-hmm. very much. Yeah. Um, that does kind of tie in with my politeness. It's like I don't feel... Other people don't make me nervous. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to get into most situations. Mm. Um, and just anxiety is not really a thing for me. That doesn't mean that I don't experience some level of anxiety on an unconscious level. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't worry about things. Um, but if if I ever am volatile at all, which is not very often, it's probably like anger. I, yeah. I can occasionally have kind of explosive anger. Mm. But that's really, this has to do with conscientiousness yes, as well. Yes, yeah. If I if I perceive something is not right, mm-hmm. um, I can get really angry. Yeah. Or I, I have a personal code that mm. I think is very important to me. And I don't like breaking that code. Yeah. Or I might think that there's something that's very important for other people to do. And if they don't do it, I might get angry. Yeah. I experience emotion in much more depth in color um interestingly i honestly felt when i took this like that my withdrawal should be higher (laughs) yeah because i experience and i feel that emotion in a way that i feel like i I should at least be average but it's moderately low but still it's compared to other people you know you might experience a lot of um emotions yeah but it still might be less than the average person (laughs) yeah i guess so um my volatility is average and i think that i am someone who um you can read my emotions on my sleeve and i guess not in a way that it's like so destructive but it's obvious right it's very you're very outward in yeah. how you feel you can't lie yeah um you can't pretend that you're not upset yeah you it's very easy if Alyssa like walks into a room to know what she's feeling yeah um so if, if something's ever wrong it's like very obvious to me that something's wrong and yeah. i can just see it immediately whereas you might not know if anything's wrong with me Yes. Or if anything's right. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> and that's us, right? That's us. So that's tying it all together. And you can take this test. Yeah, we encourage you. Um, this is your shadow homework, guys. Yeah, Find this, out this who is you the shadow are. homework. Find out who you are. Yeah. Uh, examine you in a more high resolution, yeah. um, more sort of precise way. And you can use this language this system to really understand other people yeah and that's what's so useful about this do you have a question for us do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze is there a topic you'd like us to cover we want to hear from you contact us through a submission form which can be found on our instagram page at golden shadow podcast or if you're listening on youtube you can find the link in the description down below thanks for listening see you later if you find this podcast useful please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.